Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So there was a pastor who was uh, making a wooden trellis to support a climbing vine that he had planted. As he was pounding away, he noticed that there was a little boy watching him. And the little boy didn't say a word, uh, so the preacher kept on working, right? He was full of pride, thinking, well, first he was thinking that the boy would leave, but, but after some time went on, the little boy didn't. And uh, he was pleased to think that this, this little boy was admiring his work. He was kind of swelling with pride that he had an audience of this, this young little child. And he said, well, son, are you trying to pick up some pointers on gardening? The little boy replied, no, I'm just waiting to hear what the preacher says when he hits his thumb with a hammer. <laughs> there goes that guy's pride, right? What would the preacher say? What would the preacher do? Our gospel text in Luke today sets up a similar situation. Jesus begins by telling a a, a parable concerning a vineyard to the religious leaders of the day. These were the ones who were supposed to be looked up to as a moral example. These were the ones who were supposed to to model for the people a pious life. These were the ones who, who God's people were to look up to to see the golden rule lived out, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So what did they do? What did they do when the people of God were watching? What did they do when Jesus arrived on the religious scene in Jerusalem and in Judea? What were those pastors thinking when they saw Jesus preaching and teaching? Maybe something like this. Well, who is this uneducated and tenorant rabbi who has no formal training, no credentials behind his name, Sure, he does signs and wonders, but he fails to even keep the Sabbath law. Who is this this Nazarene who is stirring up the people and drawing a crowd wherever he goes, and more importantly, drawing the attention of the Romans? Who is this thorn in our side? What are we going to do about him? That might have been what they were thinking. But what did these preachers say, and what did they do when in fact the hammer of God hit their pride and their self-righteousness. See, it wasn't just that Jesus was popular. It wasn't just that Jesus was doing signs and wonders. It wasn't just that Jesus was preaching and teaching and that that didn't fall in line with their religious way of thinking. It was that in their religious pride and their self-righteousness, they rejected the very grace and mercy of the Lord God that they thought that they were serving. Hear again what Jesus said to them. And see what they said and did in reaction to Jesus preaching. Jesus said, A man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went to another country for a long time. When the time came, he sent servants to his tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of his vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty. Then he sent another servant, but they also beat and treated him shamefully and and, and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent a third. This they also wounded and cast out. 
Well, then the, the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But see, when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and they killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? Well, he will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. These are the words of Jesus to the religious leaders in Jerusalem and Judea. You've heard these words twice now this morning. We're starting to digest and maybe ponder a little bit about what this means. So let's consider how the Pharisees, the scribes, and the chief priests heard it and how they understood it by providing a little bit more background and context. You see, first and foremost, the the parable, uh, in this parable, the vineyard stands for the Old Testament people of God. This imagery comes from Psalm 80, verse 8, which reads, You brought a vine out of Egypt, you drove out the nations, and you planted it. This vine is standing for the people of God. The sent servants are the prophets, right? Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and the like. As Jesus said in the parable, the servants are sent to look for fruit, fruits of righteousness, fruits of the Spirit. But they found none among the people of God. One of the servants, that is a prophet, right, Isaiah, wrote wrote these words in chapter 5. He says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. He looked for fruits of justice, but behold, fruits of bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. So the tenants, then, are the religious leaders. In this case, the scribes, the Pharisees, the chief priests. These are the ones who knew the Psalms and the the prophets well. So when they heard this little parable, they they understood full well that Jesus was accusing them of being wicked and unfaithful tenants. And of course, in the parable... The beloved son is none other than Jesus. I was going to say the Sunday school answer. Jesus, right? The son of God. Here's the problem. The self-righteous and the prideful tenants, that is, the chief priests, the, pride, or the uh, Pharisees, and the, uh, uh, the priests, they considered this allusion to be blasphemy. Who is this Nazarene that's claiming to be the Son of God? Who is this unschooled layman who who dares to threaten God's wrath by taking away from us the right to be the Lord's vineyard, the right to be the Lord's people, and giving that right to others? And by others, he meant Gentiles. See, the Pharisees, the chief priests, the scribes, they knew exactly what Jesus was saying, and their response proves it. Surely not, they cry out. What would the religious leaders say when the hammer of God's law falls upon them? Oh, we're not wicked. We're not unfaithful. We have done nothing wrong. We have kept the law. Jesus, you're the liar. You're the blasphemer. 
You are an insurrectionist against the religious order that God himself has established. I mean, in all honesty, it would have been better if they would have said maybe a bad word after hitting their thumbs with a physical hammer than to say the things that they did. No, the hammer of God comes down on their pride and on their self-righteousness. And instead of repenting and crying out for mercy, they reject Jesus. They reject an opportunity to live connected to Christ who is the true vine. And that's what the parable is ultimately about. See, Jesus tries again to elicit the fruits of righteousness in these religious leaders. He calls them yet again to repentance and faith by speaking to them the words of Psalm 118. He says, listen to this word. What does it mean, Pharisees? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He wants them to see that as unschooled and unimpressive as they esteem him to be, that Jesus himself is the cornerstone. He is the salvation of the Lord. He is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He is the voice of the prophets and the content of the Psalms. And he comes to his people over and over and over again in great patience so that they might repent of their sin, their pride, their self-righteousness, and instead live in faith to God. For he is the only way, the truth, and the life. He is the central point of God's justice and mercy. And guess what? He is for you. Yet if by unrepentance and unbelief you trip over him, you will be broken. If he falls upon you and you do not cry out for mercy, you will be crushed. But if your life is built upon him in faith... You will be saved. Uh, I love comic books. Um, and, and one of my favorite uh, uh, comics uh, is The Far Side. Right? And there's this one Far Side cartoon that pictures God as a, as a, a white-haired, uh, white-bearded old man sitting at the computer. And, and you look at and you see uh, the computer screen and there's this this hapless young man who's walking down the street, and there's this piano that's suspended by a rope hanging over this man's head. And God's finger is poised over a button on the computer that says, Smite. Right? I mean, too often it's a character of how many people, including some Christians, can picture the judgment of God. That God is just somehow waiting to catch you in sin or to, to crush you for something that you have done just like that. Or even worse, just indiscriminately smite you because. I suppose we could replace the piano with a cornerstone, right? And we might have maybe a slightly more biblical picture of God's judgment, but it's still woefully lacking. Look, when Jesus tells the parable... Note how long-suffering and how patient the owner of the vineyard is over 
and over again, he sends his servants and even the son. He has no desire to drop the piano and to smite, right? Look not only at the, the patience of the owner, but his extravagance. He is willing to send servant after servant at his own expense, and then goes so far as to send his one and only son. Even though he knows the track record of the tenants, he still insists on going to them over and over again. He provides every opportunity to repent and to live in faith to the Son. But if not, judgment remains. For God is just, and sin is punished. And, if un and unbelief leaves sin to be punished in the flesh of the individual. But see, faith, faith trusts that sin was punished in the Son on our behalf. Right? The mystery of salvation is this. The hammer of God, the smiting, falls not immediately upon the Pharisees, the scribes, or the priests, who in their self-righteous pride and refusal deserve it, but upon the rock of Christ. And it crushes him instead. Stricken, smitten, and afflicted, see we see him dying on the tree. Tis the Christ by man rejected. Yes, my soul, tis he, tis he. Tis the long-expected prophet, David's son, yet David's Lord. By this son God now has spoken, tis the true and the faithful word. The irony of all this is the ones who seek to kill Jesus outside the gates of Jerusalem, right? they unknowingly fulfill God's plan of salvation for all. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this, the season of Lent has provided us many opportunities to reflect on God's word, to hear his law, to repent of our sin. Today is no different. The long-suffering and patience of God is again on display for all who hear. Today is a day to put aside pride and self-righteousness. Today is a day to turn our eyes to Jesus, to lift our eyes upon the true vine and be reminded that we are grafted in by grace. For in baptism, Christ our Lord has dealt with you not according to your sin, but by graciously grafting you into himself, the true vine, that you might find in him forgiveness of sin and life. And so that you might live humbly and in his righteousness. Today is a day to have your faith built upon the cornerstone. The one whom the builders rejected, but who is your rock of salvation. Today is a day whereby his body and blood builds you up in holy communion, not only with himself, but with those who commune with you at the altar and with those who are with the Lord. For he is building you up into a spiritual household, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, not who live to follow the ceremonial laws, 
but who proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. See, this is Jesus. Jesus has come for you. He has shown you God's long-suffering and his patience. Jesus was rejected for you. Jesus was crushed for you. And Jesus was raised and was glorified for you. Jesus is the cornerstone. Here we have a firm foundation. Here the refuge of the lost. Christ, the rock of our salvation. His the name of which we boast. Lamb of God for sinners wounded, sacrificed to cancel guilt. None shall ever be confounded who on him their hope have built. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all our understanding guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, the true vine and the cornerstone. Amen.